This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. We're called Spell Rushing. Now we're going to be talking gardening. And I'm not one of those experts who knows it all. And uh, some of the stuff I know I wish I didn't know, to tell you the truth. And some stuff I am surprised to learn at this advanced part of my career. So whatever it is you want to talk about can't stump me because I don't want to get stumped. I want to share what we all know. And you can do it by calling us toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring uh, before we get to chatting with Java, I want to see what's going on with John in Madison. We could jump right into the phone calls. Hey, John, what's up, man? Hey there, my friend. It, as always, it makes me warm just to hear your good cheer. Thank you, sir. What's up? Well, I always like to have something in my garden, which makes me think of other countries and other cultures. If when planting time comes, I wanted to have a, a corner of the garden that said, hey, this is China. These are from China. What do you recommend? Well, what, what, what do you mean? Having different, like, different countries in different parts of your garden? Yeah. It's a, it's a fun idea if you'd like to have a theme. Yeah, that's that's our. You go to most of the botanic gardens around the world. They're going to have a, a native plants here. They're going to have a Japanese garden. They're going to have a, a camellia garden, a, a raised bed vegetable flower garden. So you know the concept is already there in my garden. I've got a sun garden in the back, in the front, and a shade garden in the back, and I have to choose plants accordingly. But as far as having uh, theme gardens from around the world, it's really pretty easy. I actually have a list of the major, the most commonly grown plants. That, that we grow, Mississippi-type plants that are from all five of the, the cultivated continents. I've got a list of plants everybody grows from from Asia, for example, like camellias and crepe myrtles and, and azaleas and St. Augustine and daylilies. I've got a list of plants from Africa like like uh, like okra and castor bean and, you know, so, and from Europe and North America, South America. So it's possible to have a theme garden with any style design using plants from just one continent. No problem at all. Yeah, you, you may well have it already without knowing it. Oh, no, no. I did it on purpose. I did it on purpose. Oh, uh, I, don't, I, don't, oh, I don't mean you, Felder. I mean people out there. Yeah, uh, you know, I walk around my neighborhood in Jackson and Fonder, and I, I do a lot of walking, and I would say that probably 80% of our plants, 70, maybe 80% of the plants in my neighborhood happen to be from Asia. You know, it's really, really? you got St. Augustine and Centipede and Bermuda grass. They're all from Asia. You've got uh, azaleas and camellias and and uh, and uh, crepe myrtles. They're all from Asia. You know, you you've got monkey grass, which is from Asia. You know, so a lot of most of our commonly grown plants in the South happen to be from a part of the world with a pretty similar climate to ours, and the ones that aren't Asia. A lot of times they're Native American. They're, they're you know, uh, oaks, magnolias, dogwoods. They're all native to Mississippi. So you can have an all Mississippi garden, an all Asia garden, an all European garden, an all African garden, all South America, by just choosing whatever design you want and just choosing plants from those continents. And it's just it's you know, my, 
My friend, yeah, I, that's so wonderfully educational for the kids, too. Thank you for telling me how we may have them already. Yeah. As a matter of fact, and this, this is kind of strange, but uh, if you go online, if you go to, uh, to, to, to my blog, for example, which is Felder Rushing blog, it's not, a, a, a not net or com, it's felderrushing.blog. Now, I just posted a, uh, a post that's pretty extensive. It's got a whole lot of pictures and all of a new botanic garden in northern England called Bridgewater. It's the Royal Horticulture Society's brand-new botanic garden. And uh, of all their big main flowery borders, 80% or more of the plants in there are, happen to be native to Mississippi. And I've got pictures of these wonderful native plants of ours grown in, and you'd never think of them as being wildflowers or weeds because they're used in beautiful combinations, happen to be almost 100% native Mississippi in a British Royal Horticulture Society Botanic Garden. And, and I've got that, uh, I just posted it yesterday on uh, FelderRushing.blog. So check that out. Okay, I will, my friend, and thanks as always, showing how education and culture and history can be and dirty fun. fun. There you go. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Appreciate, uh, hope you stay warm, too. All right. Yeah, folks, if you want to check this out, I just posted this yesterday of uh, of, of almost 100% native Mississippi uh, wildflowers, perennials, grown in the most astounding combinations you can imagine. And if you look at them and didn't know they were native to Mississippi, you would just think they're beautiful garden plants. Anyway, check it out, felderrushing.blog. And I've got a little comment section. Want to let me know what you think. Uh, hey, let's slide down to the Gulf Coast and talk with Craig now. Craig, what's going on down there? Hey, uh, I heard you mention Bodog Tree on the uh, on your last show there, and I looked them up, and, and I want to grow that. Uh, I, I'd like to know if you could expound on that, whether I should get uh, some of the fruits or get some saplings or if there's a lot of them here on the coast. Uh, well, yeah, it, it, it will grow fine on the coast, but it's not native to down there, so you're going to have to either get you a tree, a little seedling, or uh you know, and I've never grown bodoc from from seeds, but they got to be easy because they're all over the place. So it happens by itself. But uh, you know, if you looked at it, you notice that the fruits are bigger than an apple, and they're kind of bumpy, kind of a lime green color, and the seeds are actually in there. I just don't know if there's anything special you have to do to get them to sprout. But it's a pretty cool tree. It's not an outstanding tree. You know, there's nothing that makes you just go wow about it if, unless it's got those fruits on it. But it's a cool, interesting, historic, useful tree. Well, I, w I want to make things out of the wood, and I want to use it for firewood. It says it's it's the next best thing to coal for firewood. Yeah, the, the wood is really, really dense. It's real dense. It doesn't make a lot of smoke. And, you know, so uh, anyway, I, you know, it might be, I don't know where you could get a start of those. You know, they're the kind of plants that I see everywhere, but I've never seen them for sale anywhere. You know, it's just sort of like it's hard to, to, to just to, to go out and just buy a, an oak tree at a garden center because they have all these other things, and oaks are everywhere. But I just don't know where you get a start of them. Yeah, so there, I, I, so I, I, my one question was if, if it's worth looking for some around here. If they're not around here uh, in this, on the coast, I'll have to go inland. Yeah, I, you know, like I say, I've been raised with them. They're all over the place, and I see them everywhere I go. I just have, I, I've just never 
think about them other than, oh, that's a Bodoc. You know, I, so I couldn't tell you where one. I know that there's one in Jackson at the corner of State Street and um, uh, Woodrow Wilson Street uh, at the parking garage at Un- uh, University Medical Center because I see the fruit on the ground all the time before the mowing people pick them up. But I just couldn't tell you where any are. Okay. All right. Good luck on it, Craig. Let's know how it works out. All right. Thank you. All righty, folks. Welcome back. We're going to just be talking about gardening for the next little while. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MTB-RING. Uh, Java, I know it's cold outside. You, how, how are you keeping the kids bundled up? Oh yeah, we had to pull out uh, uh big coats this morning cuz yeah, it's uh let's see. I think it's uh 30 yeah, 30 degrees, kind of a real feel around uh uh 22, 23 degrees. It's pretty it's pretty cold outside. I, I love it. You you know, you you just coined a great phrase. They say windshield. Uh you said the real feel. Yeah, because it's just I mean, yeah, you add that you add that whipping the whipping uh wind and uh as they say the hawk is out and it's really it's really hitting everybody uh this morning. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you this, I got a really uh interesting email from uh, from a listener in Greenville named Melanie. She sent this in. She said, um and it well, here's exactly what she wrote. She said, I should have sent this to creature comforts earlier. But I just remembered, last year when we had ice and, and a lot of days of 20s and nights of singles and teens, every water source for birds in the Delta froze. She said, I couldn't keep a bird bath clear. Thank goodness, Walmart fish section had aquarium heaters. And by the way, aquarium heaters are very inexpensive. Anyway, she said, uh, outdoor extension cord and a 10-gallon uh, aquarium heater kept a small hole in my water, uh, my, my bird uh, bath open, and the birds took great use of it, as you can see in the, the photo. She said, boiling water was only good for a few minutes, but the creator worked for a whole week, and the birds flocked to it. So if you like to, folks, you like to attract birds, you got a lot of birds out there, and there's frozen, uh, you know, just think about a little aquarium heater and an outdoor electric cord. I thought that was great. Appreciate you sending that in, Melanie. Um, now let's slide down to, oh, let's stay on the coast of Sochet. Is it Cami? Yes. Howdy. What's up? Hi. So we planted the cutest little persimmon tree this summer, and moles came in and dug up all the roots and uh, destroyed it. And we have moles all over the yard. And I was just wondering if you have a a way that you like to get rid of moles. You know, they're so cute. We hate to hurt them. Um, My dad showed me a way where he puts in the hose down their holes, and then they eventually pop up, and he'll grab them by the neck. And my kids caught three (laughs) that way. But um, <laughs> it takes like an hour to do for each mole. So I was wondering if you had any recommendations where we wouldn't have to poison them. I, I, well, actually, the poisons don't work. You know, and I, I know a lot of people who say, well, you're wrong. No, I've been working with people in botanic gardens and all over the country, and they're all over England. The mole hills here in England are taller than any fire ant mound you'll ever see. They're huge. And over here, they just live with them. They just live with them. That's all it is to it. Moles are just like earthworms. They're just out there. But uh, the poisons simply don't work, not for everybody, not for long. So uh, the only real control for them, uh, Cammy, is to use one of these plunger-type traps, and it stabs them, which is not, it's not something you want to teach your kids necessarily. 
But uh, I think you got the best approach. If, you know, if you're quiet and kids aren't are not able to stay quiet this long, but in the mornings when the soil is kind of warm, you know, in the in the spring of the fall, when the moles are most active, you can actually go out and sit in the chair where they've been active the day before. And if you're patient, you can see them start to hump the tunnels up and just run out and stick a shovel in behind them and flip them up, you know, the, the tunnel that they just came from, flip them on top of the ground. But uh, yeah, I yeah. running a hose in there and getting the kids to do it, that is such a great idea. Anyway, you, And you I pay can... them. I told them I'd pay them $20 for every mole they catch, and they caught three. So, <laughs> Tammy, I'll do it for 10 Oh, well, we'll have you over then. <laughs> no, no. The, but anyway, the, the only surefire control is one of these plunger-type traps can approach is to get uh, some kind of creature, whether it's a dog or a cat or a kid. And, uh, again, if you see where they're really active one day, they'll probably be active about that same day, uh, same time the next morning. And that's the best time to start looking for. They have a main run that they use back and forth to the tunnel and then one-shot feeder tunnels. And uh, so, you know, keep that in mind. So the little feeder tunnels, they just go out to dig around and come back to a main run. And so you might be able to find that by lightly mashing down on what looks like a main tunnel just a little bit. And if it's pushed back up the next morning, you got the main tunnel. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You got the best. You, you have the best control I've ever heard using kids <laughs> to catch up the mud. That was a great idea. Yep, I think so, too. I've got three boys, so they do the job pretty well. Yeah. Okay, and by the way, I don't know how if your kids are really that interested in, in flowers or not, but uh, this tomorrow, February the 5th, the uh, Orange Grove Community Center, it, you know where Lyman is? Mm-hmm. It's not very far. It's a little bit closer to the coast than you are, but Lyman. It's off Old Highway 49, about a mile north of I-10. The Orange Grove Community Center, which is by the fire station, by the way, uh, the Camellia Society is having this show, and it's free. They have all sorts of really pretty big wintertime flowers and vases, and also they'll have some plants there to buy. If your kids want to go pick one out that's in bloom and plant it, then there'll be something that, that they can look at every winter. And, and again, it's free. Orange Grove Community Center in Lyman tomorrow starting about one okay. thirty. Okay, thank you. All right, have fun. All right, thanks. Bye. Okay, now the slide. And by the way, folks, if you want some more information about that, just do the Gulf Coast Community Society. Uh, the Orange Grove Community Center is not on the main Highway 49. It's Old Highway 49, which is about a block off uh, Orange Grove Community Center in Lyman. Um, also, there's going to be a home fruit seminar. February the 19th, that's in two weeks, I'm going to be giving my annual home fruit seminar. It's free. It's going to be at a garden center in Jackson called Hutto's. I get practical advice. It's going to have just all sorts of planting and pruning and pest control, the right varieties, right kinds. And it's a pretty lively thing on February the 19th. And then the last thing that I've got to mention for right now is the, uh, let's see if I can find it here, uh, Cause Arboretum. Uh, this Saturday, Pat Drackett, who is uh, uh, sort of the head honcho down there, she's giving a program on on home landscape design. And next week, they're going to have the Arbor Day plant sale on the 12th. That's going to be at Crosby Arboretum down in uh, uh, outside Picayune. Now, let's slide over to Oxford and see what Billy's, uh, Bill's up to. Hey, Bill, good morning. How you doing today, Velda? So far, so good. What you got going on? Uh, I was just going to call and make a comment about the uh, gentleman asking how he could get uh, the Bodoc tree started. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, too, so talk to me, too. Well, it was used for uh, fence posts uh, for years. So yep. they would cut cut green fence posts and plant them along a fence row and, and string the barbed wire up on it, and it roots fairly readily. Yeah. I'm not sure if it will root from uh, old wood or you need to get new wood. Yeah, it'd probably be new wood. But anyway, um, and, you know, and they're actually used as hedgerows. They would, they would plant them, to, and they grow so thick and they're so strong, they would actually be used as fences without the barbed wire in between them. That's how this, that's you're that's right. they yeah. are. But that's that's one way, just propagation, uh, and rather than, I know they're hard to find in nurseries because, like I said, it's not not typically a desirable species. There's a beautiful one up in uh, Oxford behind the yeah. old, uh, uh, an old house up yeah. here. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know they got to be easy to seed because they grow everywhere. Yeah. But it'll probably, it'll probably take a while. But anyway, that's a good, by the way, do you know where it gets its name, Bodoc? Boys Dark was made used for a ship making, wasn't it? No, it's used for for making a bow bow and bows arrows. and arrows. Bow. That's right, the yeah. arc. <laughs> the arc. Oh, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> sure. Have a good one, Bill. Thanks. Okay, Java, what's going on? He just sent me a thing from from uh, Steve Bender, the Grumpy Gardener. Yeah, I w- I didn't know if you saw that about uh crepe murder, uh, two thousand twenty two. Let's take a break. I'll let you uh, look over it if you haven't seen it, and we'll come back um, after this. Yeah, I, I, you know, Grumpy Gardener, Steve Bender. He was the senior garden writer for Southern Lima for a long time, and I've known him forever. Matter of fact, we co-wrote a book um, almost twenty years ago. Called Pass Along Plants. Pass Along Plants by Steve Bender and Bella Rushing. He and I are giving a lecture this fall together on Pass Along Plants for Modern Gardeners, but that's going to be this fall. So, anyway, I'm Horticulturist Bella Rushing. Me and Java Chapman and all the folks in Mississippi Public Broadcasting, we got the doors wide open. If you want to come in and join this garden party, we'll be giving the toll free numbers uh, over and over again. Got some really cheesy music for this blustery day coming up. So stick with us, folks. We'll be right back with more of the Gestalt Garden on MPB right after this. Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, is a show that explores issues that relate to you and your family. To find out what we're all about, subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by downloading our MPB public media app. Okie dokie folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Phil Rush and Java. You just sent me one of Steve Bender, the Grumpy Gardener's annual rants on pruning crepe myrtles. Yeah, I saw that uh, and I knew I had to send it to you because, you, you know, you talk about it all the time uh, about crepe, crepe murder and how it was actually, you know, kind of started as a joke. But it was one line in the in the article. It said, yes, despite more than 20 years of pleas, re, uh, remontrances, instructions and aggravated condemnations from me, the crime continues. Crepe murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and the picture he showed was really a badly pruned crepe myrtle, but it was really a badly pruned tree uh, where they had just cut it straight across and halfway through the cut, it the top part fell off and stripped bark down the trunk. That's not crepe myrtle. That's butchering a tree. Um, so, you know, if somebody wa- if they want to prune the crepe myrtle into a topiary with balls on the ends and stuff like that, that's not the same thing as crepe murder. That's butchering a tree. 
So if you want to, to, to do the, the stylistic things with the, the balls and all like that, it's not the same thing as crate murder. So, uh, and by the way, Steve Bender, one time I said, how come you spell crate murder, crate murder with a C, C-R-E-P-E, and everybody else, including the Crate Myrtle Society, spells it with an A. He said, Felder, you get your own magazine, and you can spell it your own way. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, before we go to the next call, here's here's something I found. It sounds kind of creepy on the bit. It's a it's a line from a poem by Danusha Lemiris. Uh, you ready for this? It's a little creepy. Yeah, put it on. Put it on me. Ever since I found out that earthworms have taste buds all over the delicate pink strings of their bodies, I paused, dropping apple peels into the compost bin, imagined the dark, writhing ecstasy, the sweetness of apples permeating their pores. I offer beets and parsley, avocado and melon, the feathery tops of carrots. I always thought there's a menial life, eyeless and hidden, almost vulgar, though now it seems they bear a pleasure so sublime so decadent, I want to contribute however I can, forgetting a moment my place on the menu. Now that is, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm of a, a couple different minds on that. I had to talk with you about that. That's kind of, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> well, I tell you what, just to save us and all, uh, let, let, let's, let's see what's going on with Lauren down in Natchez. <laughs> hey, Lauren, save, it, save me and Java for me. Well, good morning. I have a form of natural mold control that not only controls mold, controls mold, controls snakes, and controls mice. And since I got this natural form of uh, control, I have not had a mouse in my house, which I usually get one when the weather changes from summer to fall. Right. Okay. I'm I'm ready. Calico cat. Has to be a calico. (laughs) You know, you are absolutely spot on, and uh, and, yep. and I don't know about the calico bit, but a cat will do all of the above. <laughs> yep, she's done it all. Snakes, everything, you name it. It, it. I don't have any issues anymore. Anyway, I you know, thought I'd pass that along. And it, yeah, you do have to feed them, but you know, you've got year-long control. Whereas, you know, the boys may come and go. There you there you go. That is a you're spot on with that. Thank you so much, Lauren. All right, have a blessed day. Bye bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, she said it, man. She said that a cat is your best. A calico cat will keep all the above out. So and and worse comes to worse, it'll also throw up grass on your pillow. So that's sort of a, I guess bonus. I'm not sure. So Java, I, I know it's cold again. The Magnolia neighbor snakes state. Yeah, uh, I, came up, I came up with a pretty cheesy little tune. Would you agree? It's short, but it's cheesy. Yeah, we. Yeah, I, it it actually took me back a little bit because um, it's from you know uh, from my childhood and I and I remember having experiences with the uh, the I guess the movie that this songs come from. Well, I, I just as usual on Fridays because it's three in the afternoon to me. On Fridays, I like to walk down to the local pie shop and get me a a a, a, a meat and potato pie. Um, and it's really blustery day here in northern England. Little peaks of blue sky every now and then, but it's mostly dark patches. And I and they were throwing 
little pellets of sleet sticking to my hair. It was sleeting here with blue skies. Anyway, uh, it was so blustery. The wind was so strong that it rolled up one of my neighbor's little artificial lawn, you know, artificial lawn, and it rolled up. Uh, so the photo I sent you also this because of my little pocket gnome on top of a walking path guidepost, a little arrangement I made of ferns and moss and fungus. But I thought with this kind of a, a blustery day, it'd be appropriate to go with this, this little tune while we take a little break here on MPB and the Gestalt Garden. We'll be back with more right after this. Hum, hum, dumbledy, dum, 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 dee. Oh, the wind is lashing lustily, and the trees are thrashing thrustily, and the leaves are rustling gustily. So it's rather safe to say that it seems that it may turn out to be fields, that it will undoubtedly look like a rather blustery day today. It seems that it may turn out to be fields, that it will undoubtedly look like a rather blustery day. Oh, I know today is Wednesday, and this is how I know. It is always on a Wednesday that the winds begin to blow. Oh, the wind is lashing lustily, and the trees are thrashing thrustily, and the leaves are rustling gustily, so it is rather safe to say that it seems that it may turn out to be feels that it will undoubtedly look like a rather blustery day today. It seems that it may turn out to be feels that it will undoubtedly look like a rather blustery day. The end, everybody inside. Now, Feld, I really got to thank you. Thank you for uh, giving that that song some uh, some uh, play this morning because, like I said, it took me back a little bit on my childhood with Wendy the yeah. Pooh. And for what it's worth, when I was walking yesterday, again, it was really, really windy. The uh, gale force, uh, I actually got stuck on a um, gorse bush. Gorse is a real thing over here. It's a stickery bush with yellow flowers. Uh, Wendy the Pooh talked about gorse bushes, too. Well, here it is. Anyway, um, we, we got any kind of other break, or are we just going to jump right into talking about gardening again? You know, let's jump back into We had some uh, some calls pull up, and um, I know you want to uh, talk talk with your people, so let's uh, let's talk with Bill uh, from Neshoba County. Okay. Hey, Bill, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm great, and you? So far, so good. Not so bad. I can testify it's a bluster day up here, and my dogs didn't want to stay outside. <laughs> yeah. Well, what what you got going on? Well, I was just reading recently that uh, forsythia, or what we call forsythia, was uh, from Great Britain, and the guy who developed them was named Forsyth. And yep. we, name, we should be calling him Forsyth. Forsythia. I'm wondering, oh. do they call them that? And uh, as, as a matter of fact, they do. <laughs> and uh, okay. by the way, they're they're, they're actually from Asia. Uh, the you know the, the British sort of opened up Japan and China. They brought a lot of plants back, like camellias and things that hadn't been seen before. But they hybridized them and then introduced them to North America. But no, it's Forsythia, and uh, you know, so it's just. But they also say tomato. <laughs> okay. And, and, but, and and potato, and although I have gotten quite a few around here, they ain't. Okay. 
Anyway, that's and by the way, uh, the the forsythia is uh, starting to bloom in Mississippi. You know, we've had such a weird year that I've gotten pictures on the Mississippi gardening Facebook thing of people uh, posting pictures of, and a lot of the spring bulbs are blooming a little early too. Yeah, yeah, I got minor blooming, and I got the uh, uh, spring bulbs too. Uh, but so my, I guess that brings up the question. Are they going to come up with a really good, solid blooming? Or are they just going to do these no, little? They, no, they they should. A cold weather usually doesn't bother them. I, mean, I was raised with daffodils. My great grandmother had 350 different kinds of daffodils up in the Delta. And some years, some got burned, and not other years, and back and forth. But it's not going to hurt them that much. If it drops down to the lower teens. That kicks plants, but uh, you know, twenties and thirties is not a big deal at all. These plants. Oh, and, and by the way, speaking of those weird things, we have a native plant called Stokes Aster. It uh, looks like fat monkey grass with uh, big powdery blue flowers, and a lot of people call it Stokesia, but it's named after a guy named Stokes, and the Stokes Aster is sometimes called Stokesia. <laughs> Just an oddball so, thing, you know. And whatever uh, people, you know, whether they want to call it liriope, liriope, or liriope, it's still monkey grass. <laughs> so you, uh, since you bring it up, uh, I've uh, planted some. Uh, uh, what is it? Nasturtiums. Uh, yeah. Last fall, and n- none of them are coming up. But the ones that I have had in the garden already. They're coming up all over the place. Am I? Yeah. Should I be worrying about those ones I planted? Well, doesn't doesn't do any good to worry about it. But nasturtiums are plants that really grow best in a, in a cool climate where they have a long cool season. They don't like hot weather. They don't like cold weather. And so they're like snapdragons. They're kind of a gamble. Up north, like in Pennsylvania and Ohio and in England, they plant snapdragons in the summertime and we plant them in the wintertime and they don't really like hot or cold nasturtium is one of those gambles that it's not too cold before they bloom before it gets too hot okay well thank so, you all right appreciate it thank you for your call okay thank all righty now, now let's slide over to Kosciuszko see what tj is up to hey tj good morning good morning gentlemen how y'all good so far, so good. What's what you got going? I got three pieces of Bodark here in my barn in my wood shop that I'm going to do something with. And I grew up around Bodark because I'm an old Delta boy. My brother yeah. brought it up here to me. And I just want to say I got uh, one piece that's seven inch in diameter. Wow. And, and I count 40 rings. So it took 40 years to grow seven inches. <laughs> It, so, it, is, it, it is it is dense wood. You better cool your saw. You did, you yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how to carve it because I hand carve and uh, he he cut me three good pieces and he said, you know, we grew up around this stuff. We knew you put a chainsaw to it. That chainsaw ain't gonna blade ain't gonna last very long. No, it's 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 a tough wood. You know, the Mississippi uh, Craftsman Guild have their have their show every December called Kitchenville, and I see some beautiful um, uh, uh, kitchenware and dishes and, and, and artwork. And I've got a, a nice piece of, uh, of Bodoc uh, on my mantle, my great my great grandfather's mantle. I've got it in my little cabin. I've got a really nice car piece of Bodoc on that. And if worse comes to worse, I could set fire to that, and it'll heat my house all winter long. 
Yeah, I got three good pieces, and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to carve it. My last carving took me ooh, took me so took me about six months to do, but it turned out wonderful. I did a, a longhorn skull. Uh huh. Yeah. Whew. Well, you know what? Taking your time with carving is a whole lot lot more effective than having to take too much Wellbutrin to calm down. That's true. Well, good talk to okay. y'all. Come on home. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that, TJ. Um, and, and Java, matter of fact, I'm I'm gonna next week is my last broadcast over here. I am coming back uh, next weekend. I've got a whole bunch of lectures already getting cranked up. A lot of stuff gonna gonna be going on in late February, March, April. So I'm looking forward to uh, actually. And you and I haven't talked about that. But we've been invited back to Meridian. Oh, don't tell me the max. Yep, yep. They've invited us back uh, first weekend in April. So you need to run it by the bosses. I love that place. I love that. I love the Max. If anybody, if you're within the sound of my voice, if you have not been to the Max in Meridian, please go. It is a world-class facility. Isn't that right, Felder? It, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, 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 it's surprising. But, you know, Mississippi really, and I hate to be surprised because that's my people. You know, I've, we've been in Mississippi since before it was the state. But, you know, things, unusual things like the B.B. King Museum in my hometown of Indianola, but also the Grammy place there in, in Cleveland. Wow. Yeah, the Grammy Museum. Um, I mean, I know I will forget some, but the two Mississippi museums, uh, Smith Robinson Museum in Jackson. Um, I mean, we have just, you know, tons of uh, museum districts and, and just great places. We can go on yeah. and on and on about all that. <laughs> yeah, so people can stop whining, get in the car and go someplace. We got lots of places to go that are that are interesting and fun. Yeah, but let's go ahead and take a break, uh, Felder, and we'll come back after that. All right, we got the phones wide open, folks. You want to give us a call? It is toll free, one eight seven seven MPB ring. We're just chatting. You know, if you want to know horticulture stuff, I can make your eyes bleed with stupid detail. That's what I do online, uh, Mississippi Gardening Facebook page. We do a lot of stuff there, and there's a lot. The Gary Bachman is on there. Uh, uh, Bob Bruzak is on there. There's all sorts of folks who get into a lot of detail, but here on MPB. Just solving a few problems that mostly we're just talking about what's going on in your garden and your gardening life. That's all it is. It's real easy. It's just opening the screen door and yakking with our neighbors. We're going to take a quick break. If you want to give us a call, toll free, 1877 MPB ring. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> Alrighty, folks, welcome back. Let's talk about gardening. We're going to slide over to Jackson and talk with Edgar. Good morning, Edgar. What's going on? Hi there, Felder. How are you this morning? So far, so good. Look, I'm a, I'm a Delta guy, too. I grew up in a little town called Hollandale. I'm a little older than you, I think. But that was a well, popular... I don't know. I, I know Hollandale. Been through there a time or two. Yeah, well, when I was growing up as a kid down there, um, I... Um, that was a popular tree known as a chinaberry tree. Oh, and yeah. I uh, left Mississippi and went to Massachusetts and stayed for about 30-some years and came back, and I don't see many chinaberry trees around. Uh, could you just talk a little bit about what's happened to the chinaberry tree? And I'm going to hang up and, and listen to you, okay, on the radio. Okay. Yeah, that, that'd be fine. And I appreciate bringing that up. Chinaberry... Uh, is not native to Mississippi, but it was really popular. It was sort of the Bradford pear of the 1800s. 
everybody planted them. They were fast growing. They also made, they had kind of brittle wood, so they had a lot of twigs and all for, for, for firewood. They, you know, you could break pieces off and start fires with them real easy. Uh, they're rounded trees. They have sort of a round silhouette, not pointed like a cypress tree. In the springtime, they have, just when the leaves are beginning to come out, they have little, they have big sprays of sort of a pale violet yellow flower, fragrant flowers, not showy like a magnolia, but lots of real lavender pretty purple flowers. Uh, the, the draw, and they've got good pretty fall color, but the problem is they have those berries, which uh, kind of smell a little bit. They're not good for much, and they were, they were messy. They're just messy trees. And so they stopped. Uh, they fell out of favor. I still see them. Uh, matter of fact, uh, there's, there's a group of them right where Interstate 55 and 20 across uh, down by the Pearl River in Jackson. But when they're blooming in the spring or in the winter, when I see their, their, uh, their round seed balls, uh, I'm taking back the china berries as a kid myself. They still grow them in Texas because they're good drought-tolerant plants. They're interesting trees, but like sweet gums and sweet gum balls, china berries are just, they're considered messy, so nobody plants them anymore. They're terrific little plants, so I, I love the china berry tree, messy and all. So I hope that helps a lot, and I appreciate your, your bringing up that memory. Good old china berry. Uh, let's slide back to Jackson and talk with Jerry. Jerry, I appreciate you holding on. What you got going on? Hey, Felder. Uh, we've got a Lady Banks rose that is growing uh -huh. up on an arbor and it's pulling the arbor over. What's the best way to trim or prune a uh, Lady Banks rose? That's a real good question, and it really surprises people how how, how big Lady Banks is. There's one in, Ma in Monel Gardens in Jackson that's growing up alongside a cypress tree that was old when I first saw it 40 years ago. It grows all the way up to the top, and so the, the cypress tree looks like is covered with yellow flowers in the, in the late winter. So the, and, and also, I have photographed the largest rose in the world in, believe it or not, Tombstone, Arizona. They've got an area that covers over 1,600 square feet. It's a, a covered patio that's one Lady Banks rose. That's how big they get. Uh, to, to, to answer your question, if you want to prune them, they bloom in the late winter, even before azalea. So, so everything that's out there now is what's going to be the flowers. As soon as it gets through blooming, you could cut it back to the ground if you want to. It'll sprout back out. But what most people do is after it gets through blooming, which is the only thing it does all year long, is just thin out the really big stuff or the waver stuff or the things that are sticking out and grabbing you go by. In other words, just cut out some of the tall stuff, some of the raggedy stuff, and leave some of it unpruned. And if you do that once a year by just cutting out the stuff that's way out of control and leaving some, it'll still look like a nice climbing rose all year. But uh, I'd, I'd wait till after they finish blooming, or else there go all your flowers for the year. Okay, well, thank you, Felder. I okay. hope you're hey, staying warm. I hope you're staying warm uh, over there. It's actually warmer over here than it is in Mississippi. You might also, by the way, you if you prune it this year, you might also want to just think about making, making your arbor bigger. You know, most people make arbors that seem right when they build it, and it's always too small after the plants cover them. I've got mine in front of my house is made like hoops, like on a covered wagon. Uh, so I have lots of vines, but it doesn't matter how big they get, it's still above my head. So you might want to think about, you know, creating a more interesting arbor. Otherwise, you yeah, well, I've seen people. your arbor. Yeah, we're over here in Fadre. Okay, so so you and and by the way, there's some people who live. In Fondra, let's just say, and I see them every winter. They prune their Lady Banks back 
every winter, and they wonder why they never have any flowers. But I don't say anything because it ain't my business. Right. Well, thanks for the tip. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you, man. All right. Bye, Felder. See ya. So, folks, you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring We're just going to be talking about gardening, whatever else is on your mind. Um, we'd like to mention again this weekend, Saturday the 5th, which is tomorrow at one thirty in the afternoon, the Gulf Coast Camellia Society is having this show. They'll have lots of flowers and vases, so you can see the really cool ones. And they also have a, a, a wholesale nursery that specializes in camellia. It's going to have camellia plants in bloom if you want to uh, buy one take a look at it and see what you're getting but that's going to be at the orange grove community center which is in lyman uh a block off of highway 49 old highway 49 north uh of, of i-10 down on the coast orange grove community center in lyman uh also the uh, patty uh, drackett is giving a talk about landscaping design uh tomorrow at the at the uh crosby arboretum and next weekend, on the 12th, uh, they're having an Arbor Day plant sale at Crosby Arboretum. They also have a lot of other stuff. They have forest therapy walks. Uh, they, they have creating a food forest and all sorts of other things at Crosby Arboretum. Cool little place. And just go online and Google Crosby Arboretum, and you can find all sorts of really good information about that. Got some other stuff coming up, but nothing in, uh, in the near future. So let's slide over to Florence. And talk with Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Good morning. Hello, Nikki. Nikki, are you there? Oh, uh, Felder, let's uh, let's let's take a pause on Nikki. I'm gonna see if we can try to get her back. Okay. Um, would like to to mention uh, a couple of other things that they've got. Master Gardens having a plant sale coming up on April 30th. But if you've got any kind of event that's garden-related and want me to, to, to talk about it a little bit, shoot me an email, uh, and I'll be real, really, really glad to, to promote any kind of gardening events we've got going on. Uh, they're also starting some master gardening training. It's, it's online. In Mississippi, they have the master gardener training is done online, and I think that it's starting in a week or so. I'm not sure. But if you go to, uh, to MSU CARES, C-A-R-E-S, and it stands for Coordinated Access to Research and Extension. MSUcares.com, they have all sorts of information about things like that. Uh, Let's slide over to Hazelhurst. Larry, how are you doing this morning? Fine. I grew up in Bossier City, Louisiana, with a chinaberry tree in our backyard, 1940s and 50s. And uh, mowed it all the time. Uh, And then the city turned the two-lane neighborhood street into a five-lane casino row and took the yeah. house I grew up in. I had the backyard and uh, went for about a month. I'd mowed, of course, regularly. I went about a month without mowing, uh, drove over there to mow, and lo and behold, this was there were hundreds of chinaberry trees about a foot tall. <laughs> yeah, they had them up the sea real quick. And, uh, of course, when you're mowing, they don't, or you don't notice them, you know. And I've been trying to keep it better mode since then. But uh, I so I dug up a couple, and a friend of mine also grew up timing up in mine. Uh, they had low, strong limbs. And, uh, so he wanted one. I gave him one. I've got one growing in my yard here in Hazelhurst that came out of Bossier City 50 years after uh, we had cut the tree down. Oh, they, so they, they came up after long after you cut them down. 
Oh, Lord. Oh, I forgot to tell you, we cut that puppy down about 1950. <laughs> <laughs> hey, up. 10-12 years ago. You know, they, they, they've got, they, the flowers are not big, but they, they have a real delicate, I, I love the fl- the smell. It's almost like grape or something. Right. But imagine the power in those seeds that lay there a half a century, and when we quit mowing it for one month, they all popped up. To me, that is the, the power of, of, of God in a seed. Yep, yep. And there's no telling what triggered them all to come up at one time. No telling. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's, a, that's a great show. Hey, did you ever use them in a slingshot when you were a kid? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Sure. <laughs> okay. We're going to get in trouble here, Larry. Appreciate your call, man. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I got to tell a real quick anecdote, Java. Uh, years and years ago, I was in uh, the pub in Indianola, my little hometown. It's a little, they call it the pool room. It's where all the old guys went to hang out and lie to each other. And uh, some kids were, so, so, oh, I shouldn't say kids, they were old guys. They were talking about being shot in the neck from a slingshot by an old woman who lived up the alleyway from this place. That was your that was that was your mother. That was your mother, wasn't it? it no, no, no. It was my great grandmother. <laughs> wow. Because these little boys, they had come through with a slingshot and were shooting rocks at her at her birds. And she had a big bird sanctuary sign in her yard. It was embarrassing me as a kid. Big metal bird sanctuary sign. The kids, the boys were shooting birds with the slingshot, and she went out and bought her own slingshot. Next time they came by, she shot them with china berries. And they remember them. It had to be half a century later. They were still talking about how old Ms. Boyer shot him with some china berries. Wow! Now that's 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 neat. That's neat, though. Yeah. And we got 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 any other callers? Yeah, I think we were able to get Nikki um, in Florence. I think we were able to get Nikki in Florence back on the, back on the line. I hope so. Nikki, are you there? Oh yes, Felder. Hi. Hi. I think Hi. it's Hi. wonderful that you are in England. Can you hear me? I sure can, plain as day. Oh, good. Well, I know you're loving England. It's so beautiful and so bright green uh, in the wintertime. So is most of Northern Europe. And, of course, Ireland is called the Emerald Isle because of its beautiful green color year-round. So my question is, why here in Mississippi do we have these dead brown lawns in the wintertime? There must be a number of reasons. So could yeah. you enumerate why we have yeah. this dead look and they have a lively, beautiful green? Yeah, it's, it's actually two different reasons. One is completely different kind of grass. We have St. Augustine and Centipede and Zoysia and Bermuda grass, and when it gets cold, they turn brown. They're subtropical plants. They don't go dormant, it just seems like, but they turn brown when it gets cold because they're not from cold climates. But as you get up in uh, in Missouri, Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, England, Ireland, they grow. They don't. They can't grow St. Augustine centipede. They grow ryegrass and fescue and those kind of things. The ones that we grow over. The, have you noticed how some people oversee their yards in the winter and how pretty green they are? That that's what they use. That's what they use year round in cooler climates, whether it's northern United States or New England or England. They grow ryegrass and fescue and grasses like that that stay green all winter. And uh, where we have stuff that goes brown in the winter because it's completely different types of grasses. 
So it's just, and that's all, you know, you, you ride around some of the older parts of town in, in Mississippi and see where some people oversee their grass with rye grass for the wintertime. That stuff burns out in the summer, but it's real pretty and green in the winter. And that's, that's all it is. I will tell you something else, and this is a little kind of a, a deflating thing, but the angle of the sun, the sun is such a low angle when you get up in the northern hemisphere that certain colors like greens and blues really pop visually. Whereas in Mississippi, the sun is more overhead, and we have warm uh, reds and oranges and yellows. So the angle of the sun makes green greener in England than the same. I can take a picture of a flower or take a flower in Mississippi that's just as purple as it can be and take it to England, and it's just bright blue from the angle of the sun. So a lot of times that's all it is. Uh, sorry to be well, that's amazing. Yeah, but they, Did you, they, they grow they grow the kind of grass all year that we just plant in the winter time for 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 winter lawns. That's all it is to it. Good question so in other though. Words, it would die here. It would die here in the summertime if we did plant yeah. the rye grass. Yeah, yeah. You you plant rye grass in the fall for winter color, and then as soon as it gets hot, it browns out, and then our summer lawn comes in. So anyway, great question. Well, I've got one more we could do in this, folks, and I'm going to be coming back. If you get a chance, go to felderrushing.blog. The very first post I have on it is about Mississippi wildflowers used in stunning combinations in a new English botanic garden. I even have a little thing where you can slide from, from summer to winter because I have the same picture of summer and winter back and forth. So felderrushing.blog, check that out. If you get a chance, it's Take a kid to a garden center, get them a bucket of flowers, a pansy, something like that. Take a kid to a garden center and let them get something they can plant because it's important for them to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Kids got to get dirty. It's up to us to show them how. See y'all next week, folks. See you, Java. Woohoo! And peace.